Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash, like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP, but don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Hey there, movie fans. Welcome to a brand new episode of Collider Videos for your consideration, the only weekly award show, video show, anywhere on the web, anywhere on the internet, everywhere on YouTube, we have the only award show. Now, this is not weekly because, you know, we're sort of on hiatus, but it is the middle of 2019. And we got to look at the Oscar-worthy films that have been released so far this year. I am once again being joined by my dear friends, my awesome colleagues who I love, admire, and respect, the amazing Perry Nemiroff, the mighty Jeff Snyder. It is great to be back talking <laughs> award season. We're almost there. I know we still have a couple of months before we really, really, really get into it. But lots of awards-worthy movies. How excited are you in general by the first half of 2019, Perry? I'm pretty excited. I've been trying to shape together a list of my favorite movies of the year so far, and I feel like I never usually have nearly as many as I do this particular year that I, I have a very hard time imagining them getting bumped off the list come the end of it. Uh, anything could happen in the second half I know, of the year, but I, I know. agree. I actually came up like, like, wow, I have more movies than I can really put on my list. How about you there, mister? I think it's been a pretty good year so far for movies, but I'm not sure if we've seen a Best Picture nominee yet. Oh, I don't think so. so I'm looking, you know, I think we're going to get into that discussion today. Okay, well, let's kick it right off with a movie that I know is going to get nominated for Best Animated Feature. I know you love this mm. movie too. Toy nominated? Story it's over. Yeah. Well, no, no, not, not quite. It's over to me, baby. Not quite, mister. Frozen 2. Frozen That's 2. That's the one I'm watching out for. Okay, it but could be that. What did you love? What, what makes Toy Story 4 uh, like an almost a shoe in? 
for not just a nomination, but maybe even a win. The fact that it answered my one big concern for the existence of this movie whatsoever, you have Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, which is such a seamless trilogy that Mm. ends in such a satisfying, beautiful place. I could not wrap my head around the idea of why would you want to take away from that perfection and add another chapter to this, but it turns out that not only did they deliver a good movie, they proved to me that Woody, in particular, needed more to his journey, and more to his journey also meant more to everybody out there. The fact that what he goes through and what Bo Peep goes through in this movie applied to stuff I'm going through in my life, when an animated movie can transcend like that, it's something special. I I agree. You know, the fact that that the last three Toy Story films came out so far apart from each other, uh, Toy Story 2, 1999, Toy Story 3, 2010, this movie, 2019, it's like everyone who's watching these movies is, is... is growing into a different phase of their lives and they're relating to the newer films for different reasons that they might not have been able to with the previous film. Jeff, listen, think? I think the two of you are going to have to let it go because Frozen 2 does not have a shot. <laughs> Toy Story 4 was excellent. Uh, Toy Story 3 was not only won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, was nominated for Best Picture, okay, which I don't recall Frozen being. Um, so I think that it's, it's the Academy has a thing for this franchise. I think that the first Toy Story would have won an Oscar. Same mm-hmm. with Toy Story 2 would have won an Oscar if that Animated Feature Oscar existed back then. I think it, they're gonna, this is like hands down. If they had messed it up, I can see how Frozen 2 could sneak in there, but they stuck the landing on Toy Story 4. I, I just don't see how Frozen 2 is going to and that is why, be, by the way, as emotionally well, resonant. The first Frozen won the Academy Award. Yeah, sure. Yeah. For, for her animated feature, sure. Yeah. But it, it wasn't, it didn't get the, it didn't transcend into another category like the last t- Toy Story did. Yeah, Toy and Story I don't 3. That, right. I, I guess. And I don't, Toy I'm Story not saying 3. Toy Story 4, I'm not saying that'll happen this time, but I think it, it, it just indicates a larger love uh, that the Academy has for this franchise. Perry, I think that Toy Story 4, I think it's, it's probably a lock for, for a win in Best Animated Feature. But I think that because it is so strong, it could get nominated for Best Picture, which is what Toy Story 3 was nominated for Best Picture in addition to winning was, was Best that, Animated Was that Feature. a sliding 10-year, Scott, or was that a firm 10-year? That was Do we firm know? 10. That's that what I thought. So 10. if that was a sliding 10, maybe Toy Story 3 doesn't get in. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Excellent point. This, see, this is why we have a great show. I have show a very hard time thinking it's going to get in one way or the other for the Best Picture nomination. But I feel like you guys are writing off Frozen 2 no, way, no, no. Too, way, way, not way, way too quickly. <laughs> also, because consider the conversation we were having last year where pretty much nobody was taking Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse as seriously as we were until the very end of 2018. And on top of that... Frozen 2 has the benefit of not just kind of standing on uh, the legacy it's built with that first one, winning the Academy Award, but it's also just this cultural obsession. Frozen, t- Frozen the first one, crossed the line. It yeah, wasn't it just a good animated movie. That shaped so many young lives out there to the point that within weeks of that coming out, the Disney parks were flooded with the characters and the toys and everything. I feel like that gives this movie a little bit of an edge as long as the filmmakers kind of stick the landing and make a good I think that kids may respond to Frozen 2 even more than they are Toy Story 4. Like, I could see Frozen 2 outgrossing Toy Story 4, but I don't think that Frozen 2 is for adults in the same way that that, that, that. that Toy Story 4 can be enjoyed by people of all ages. To me, Frozen is a children's franchise. All due respect, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm a 35-year-old man. I'm not going to see Frozen 2, and yet I would gladly see Toy Story 4 again. Uh, Okay, we got a lot of movies Mm -hmm. to get through. Okay, both. I agree with both of your points, by the way, and I do think that Toy Story 4 is probably the most grown up 
Toy Story because it does get a little dark. Uh, but let's move on to a movie that, Perry, I know you loved. And you said this better be on oh, your I list. Know where you're going. Or you are never going to be allowed into the offices <laughs> of Collider again. That movie is Wild Rose. So this is why I think a show like Collider FYC is so special because I feel like it's our responsibility to take something that isn't getting widespread love and deserves it and to make sure everybody out there knows about it. All of our Collider viewers, all the people in the industry who have the power to vote for these awards because Wild Rose is hands down my favorite underrated movie of the year. It's one of the best movies I've seen this year, hands down, and it's one of those movies that I say to myself, I can't imagine an end of 2019 where this isn't in my top 10. And Jesse Buckley's performance in that movie is on another level. She is exceptional from start to finish. She is just something else. And her in particular... I would oh. just be so upset if she goes completely unrecognized this award season. Okay, I can't happen. I completely agree with you. It's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. And uh, uh, Jesse Buckley's performance as Rose Lynn, I'm going to say this with three chords and the truth. She mm. is phenomenal in this film. And I do agree completely that, that the purpose of the show, among other things, is to introduce a sort of movies under the radar to the masses so that people can see the movies that we, we love talking about that don't have superheroes in them. Jeff, what did you think of Wild Rose? I feel like you guys, but stronger. Take out all the qualifiers that you had. None of this. One of the best. It's the best movie I've seen all year. It is three and a half stars at the top of my blog. You can check out the insider.blogspot.com. See how I feel about all this year's movies. Wild Rose has been there at the very top since I saw it at CinemaCon. Jesse Buckley absolutely deserving of an Oscar nomination. I don't know if this movie will get enough uh, marketing push, Oscar push behind it, but it, she's totally deserving. And I also think that Nicole Taylor should get nominated for screenplay. The That's song, too. I yeah. want the song oh, Glasgow to be nominated. Is great. If that I is not, about that so, so did I. If that is yeah. not nominated for Best Original Song, I'm... I'm I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to be angry. Don't make her angry. You won't <laughs> like her when she's angry. All right, let's move on to another movie that I know we all loved, and I know you interviewed. I'm pretty sure you interviewed the star of this movie here, uh, maybe the director as well, The Mustang. Oh, yes. I love The Mustang. This is a film that I just thought was was just a, a beautiful, wonderful movie. Matthias Schoenertz, like gave a superb performance. I think he gave the best male performance of the year so far next to uh, uh, Jesse Buckley's best female performance of the year. And uh, director Laurie D. Clement Tonnerre, just it just it's an exquisite, beautiful film with a great message, and and also Bruce Dern for supporting actor. There's a lot of a lot of Oscar cred to this movie. What did you think, Jeff? I thought it was very good. Uh, it is at the top of my good list. Good, but, but not it, great. I didn't think it was great. I had a couple of, of just small story issues or a couple of threads that I found problematic. It's beautifully shot. I thought uh, Laura did an amazing job with the act as well on Hulu this year. Mm -hmm. Same director, uh, which is kind of crazy just to, to see the range that she has. Uh, Arts, one of the most talented actors in Hollywood. I've loved him since, since uh, the early days of Bullhead and Rust and Bone. Um, but I, I don't think this one will quite penetrate the, the awards race. I think Focus may have bigger fish to fry in the end. Well, but you know what? There's always like one or two super surprise nominations where, where like all the pundits, people like us, uh, sort of overlook them at the year-end crunch when all the really good Oscar-worthy movies mm -hmm. come out. And then before you know it, like somebody kind of sneaks in. I think that, that Jesse Buckley could be one of those people and, 
and definitely Matthias Schoenitz could be another. Maybe. What do you think about Bruce Dern in this movie? Uh, Bruce Dern? Bruce Dern's really good in this he's movie. He's good in I this thought. movie. Bruce no? Dern's really good in this movie, and at this point in time, maybe he's worth cracking the supporting list, but I'm kind of with you on this one. Is I think it came out way too early yeah, in the year, March. and there just wasn't enough noise around it to carry it through to the rest of the year. But if anyone does slip into one of the categories, it should be Matthias Schoenitz. Yeah. He, he carries this movie, and I mean, this might be one of the best performances I've ever seen of his, and I've seen a whole bunch of things, and it's just, like, how is he not a household name at this point? I just went into the Mustang not expecting kind of, like, the emotional wallop that I that agree. movie is. I, I, I think this will have a similar trajectory to um, The Rider, and I think it, mm. you could see this film get some indie spirit noms uh, if it qualifies for those. But, uh, for sure. Yeah. Okay, moving on to number four, a documentary, throwing a documentary into the mix. Well-timed because it is the 50th anniversary of the Moonlight landing also well-timed because it actually had uh, a, a more of an audience i think than the the uh, narrative feature that came out the late last year first man that is apollo 11 directed by todd douglas miller i think this is a, a shoe-in to get nominated for best documentary feature and here's the thing that makes apollo 11 so great first of all you have a lot of footage that has never been seen before they, they remastered and digitized all the footage, so it looks like it was shot yesterday. Uh, the launch of the Saturn V is extraordinary. But the way they made this movie, there's no talking heads. Like, you know, they don't go back and interview Michael Collins and Buzz Aldrin. They really just use the footage that existed. And the only voices you hear are the astronauts and mission control talking back and forth to each other or maybe newscast performances. But the way they shot the actual landing on the moon, the bottom left-hand side of the screen, you see the fuel going down in addition to the altitude. And you're like, oh, my God, are they going to do it? Of course they are. But it was very suspenseful. I think it's an amazing film. I have yet to see it, but given everything that you've <laughs> said about it ever since, what was it, Sundance? Where Sundance, Actually, yeah. I mean, that's a big thing that probably gives it a boost in my mind right now is, you know, where do you premiere a documentary if you want to end up in that category? Obviously, it doesn't pan out for every movie out right, there, right, but right. I feel like most of the movies that were nominated last year debuted at Sundance. This one seems to be getting rave reviews, mm -hmm. and it has been on the top of my must-watch list for a little too long now. Well, it is on Blu-ray, so no excuses. I know, Jeff. I know. I thought, uh, Apollo 11 was great. I, I went to go see it in IMAX, and then I got a distressing text and had to leave the theater, so I didn't get to see it up on the big screen, but it played just as well at home. It's a really good movie. Here's the question, Scott. Yes. Is this going to, to be nominated? Because there's not a lot of story it's really just footage of the moon landing but, like but again does, does the filmmaker get credit for that well because yes yes the filmmaker does i mean i thought todd miller did a great job of taking a story that has been documented so many times over the years with other documentaries with narrative features and uh definitely with uh, with books and and all these sorts of things i mean i remember the 25th anniversary of apollo it's, it's a feat of but, editing but is it a feat of storytelling but it is because it makes you it for, for here's here's why I think it deserves to get nominated for something that has been so storied and told so many times in so many different ways for it to feel fresh for it to still be awe inspiring point. like you were watching it for the first time as a feat of filmmaking and that's why uh, Todd Miller gets I, I just look at Mr. Story. Rogers and Three Identical Strangers last year and feel like this branch has no idea what it's doing oh, so I, I can't trust the documentary branch to do the right thing regardless of whether you well, know we think that this no, is I completely agree with that I completely agree with that okay let's move on to a movie I think I might have liked a little more than you two did but I just I just related to it and I thought that Emma Thompson was fantastic in Late Night 
Late like, night. I, I love, know I liked yeah, it a lot. We, we, oh, I love, yeah. I love late night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Late, late well, night well, was good. definitely up there for good. me. Good. Okay, that makes me very happy. That makes me very, very happy because um, I thought that Mindy Kaling wrote a great screenplay that touched on a lot of things like ageism, feminism, the workplace, uh, gender equality, uh, uh, you know, diversity, but it – but it did so in a way that it didn't feel like you were being beaten over the head with it. It was a feel-good crowd pleaser with, with great dialogue, great performances. Limited crowds. But. And Emma Thompson, I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like she's definitely a shoe in for maybe a Golden Globe yes. for Best Actress yes. uh, Comedy. Sense. But she's so good in this movie. She's really good in this movie. To me, she was the standout. And if I had to place any kind of bet right now on what could get nominated from this movie, it's her supporting performance above everything else. But, I mean, you just said Do it, Do you Jeff. think she's supporting? I was going to yeah. say lead. No, I think, no, I said I would have said supporting, and then maybe they would mount a campaign for Mindy Kaling for the lead. Oh, I think, I think Emma is the clear lead here. Whether they could get away with saying her, that she's supporting is another question. But did you – so you actually thought that Mindy Kaling was the lead in this movie? Yeah. Interesting. I definitely I, thought I it was think Emma. I uh, think the story takes shape from what her character goes through and certain decisions she makes more so than Emma Thompson's and also just predicting what would be a smart move for them in order to give themselves the best possible chance of getting nominations, if not wins. You separate the two of them, and then once you do that, in my mind, it's Mindy Kaling in the lead, Emma Thompson supporting. But wow. I'm a little concerned that this one isn't going to make it all the way there because at this time of the year, one of the best ways to gauge whether or not we're going to keep talking about these movies is what the conversation is like now. And I don't know. To me, it was almost like I don't necessarily think Late Night came out and landed with a thud, but I thought there was going to be a little more early award season buzz right after it's it's a theatrical release, and it doesn't feel like anyone's talking well, about there, it. Well, there have been a few movies that uh, female with female leads – Booksmart. Uh, that uh, Booksmart and, and Longshot being the other, that were, were great films that, that are not mm-hmm. part of the conversation. They didn't do well at the box office, and, and I, I hope they don't get overlooked, but I think that's a whole other conversation about the effect that the superhero movies and the streaming services might be having on, on uh, comedies at the box office. But uh, you make a great point, and i got to tell you, I was, it never occurred to me to put Emma Thompson in a supporting category. I saw her as a lead, but your, your points are right on and i think they they absolutely if, if they could put mahershala ali in supporting yeah, actor mm-hmm. exactly that, then that's they could the put emma thompson in supporting actress and give her a better shot at actually you know getting nominated you you can absolutely make the argument i think it's fair but i i think like we talked about with the globes i think she could potentially even win best actress in a musical comedy uh, and, and that would put her in, in lead. Right. Okay. Let's move on to a film that you just talked screenplay about. Screenplay too, Mindy. Mindy yeah, script, the obviously. screenplay is very, very sharp. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was terrific. Could play the um, Another film that we just said, uh, Booksmart. Oh, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love this film, but is it an Oscar worthy? I am movie? obsessed with this film. I saw it on the big screen three times. Oh, I wow. Think, <laughs> I, I really do think it is an exceptional coming of age comedy where it will be a classic in my book for mm. years and years to come. My entire life for that matter and it's just unfortunate to me that it didn't kind of like blow the box office away when it came out and it was very frustrating because 
I understand the super bad comparisons, but not only did the super bad comparisons make the easy descriptor for this movie, oh, it's super bad with ladies, but on top of that, a whole bunch of people that I was talking to looked at the super bad box office, then they looked at Booksmart's opening weekend, and they're like, well, that's a big failure. It did go on to accumulate a good deal of money, but... Sadly, the conversation when that movie came out, to me, did not say award season contender. I think it's an exceptional directorial debut for Olivia Wilde that yep. will hopefully pave the way to more projects for her. If there was, like, a long shot chance of anybody from this movie getting nominated, I would say it's either Beanie Feldstein or Caitlin Deaver for their performance. But it's yeah. still it's too much of a long shot yeah, in my I book. Yeah, Beanie could be a, glo- a Globes play, but I, I don't think that she... I don't think this movie's a real Oscar contender. Though I could see the script uh, potentially for original screenplay. I don't particularly think it is the most original screenplay <laughs> but i think that having how many is it four female writers is it four writers on it something uh, yeah, yeah. I, I i'm most it, focused on uh, katie silverman katie silverman but i think that there were there were a, a few other credited writers on it and and you know uh, th- there could be a real push for for that in the original screenplay category that's all i'm saying yeah listen i i feel like i love this movie it's one of the best of the year uh, I, I don't see it as a real Oscar contender, and I know that we cover you know the awards on the show, but I just think it's a great film, and we should mention it. It's still in theaters, you know. It's going to be you know hopefully uh, throughout July. It grew on me. Played better the second mm-hmm. time around. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, uh, speaking of a long shot, I loved Long Shot. Me too. Uh, that was another film like Booksmart that premiered at the South by Southwest Film Festival, and uh, I thought that Charlize Theron, who has been making movies for. 23, 24 years. She has an Oscar already for her transformative performance in 2003's Monster. But she has never done a romantic comedy before. She has never looked so radiant. And she crushes it. She's really good at comedy, at physical humor. She has great chemistry with Seth Rogen, which speaks volumes, although I I like Seth Rogen a lot. Um, But I just thought that she was magnificent in this movie. Another film like Late Night, like Booksmart, that didn't yeah. do nearly as well as it should have. But I think Charlize Theron uh, uh, is up there, certainly has a better chance also for Best She's Actress a... comedy musical yeah, than for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still love the film, and I think that, that she should have si- some kind of a push behind her. What do you think? It's almost like a, a comedy on the big screen needs the box office to back it up just because these comedies never get any love from the Academy to begin with. It's like... When we were talking about, let's say, Girls Trip, when that movie came out, that came out and had such a, uh, an explosive entry into the industry that I feel like that automatically gave it the nudge it needed to at least force it into the into the consideration yeah, conversation. Yeah. But this one, I, I don't think it necessarily has that kind of firepower behind it. What about you, Jeff? I, I love Longshot. I saw it twice. I cried. I laughed. You cried? Yeah, it, it made me cry. <laughs> um, not, I thought I'm it was fantastic. There. I think this is a Globes play just for Charlize. Yeah. I, I thought June Diane Raphael was terrific she was, in yeah. support. But, yeah, again, it's just not quite enough to get a nomination, I don't think. Okay, so. let's talk at another film about a rock icon, Rocket Man, a film that is directed by the guy who directed the last two weeks of Bohemian Rhapsody. So I feel like the, the comparisons from Rocketman to Bohemian Rhapsody are unavoidable yes. because of that reason. But also, I mean, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody was more of a drama about a rock band. This is a musical. And Taron Edgerton is terrific. He actually sings the music, whereas Rami Malek didn't. But I thought he was terrific. But is the movie good? Is the movie Oscar-worthy? 
No, Jeff? no, yeah. you don't think so. No, to, for me, there just wasn't the emotion that I saw uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I felt like this was a well-executed series of music videos. And, you know, I, I, I liked it. I thought he was very good, and I could even see him slipping in to get a nomination. But I don't think this is coming anywhere near to, like, Bohemian Rhapsody's Oscar chances or its hall. I don't think it's going to come anywhere near it either. And, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Bohemian Rhapsody. That movie, I know it's got some some negativity around it now, but it's it. got a very special place very in my good. heart. Yeah. This didn't live up to those standards for me, but I still think this is an excellent film where if I were to, let's say, narrow it down to five for director right now, Dexter Fletcher would be on my list at this point in time, but I also think he's very easy to bump off the list. I think the only one that has any shot of actually getting a nomination is Taron, and he's phenomenal in it. And I also do really like the structure of the film also. I mean, I see the movie getting nominated for Best Picture, Musical or Comedy, uh, but is it the one to beat? I mean, that could go to Cats when that comes out later in December. I am fascinated by Cats. Yeah, but but, you know what? I'm I'm glad that both of you feel the way you do about Bohemian Rhapsody because I have seen a lot of hate on the internet and on YouTube whenever we talked about it on the previous For Your Considerations. I I mean, I love Bohemian Rhapsody and comparing apples to apples uh you know bohemian rhapsody started off sort of like as a sort of cliched rock biopic but it got better as it went along and i feel like i i really empathized and felt for freddie mercury and it ended so strong with live aid whereas and, and freddie and you know is not with us anymore whereas elton john is and i didn't discover anything new about elton john watching this movie other than uh, uh, Taron Egerton's performance was superb. Definitely uh, a contender for a lead actor I saw, musical or comedy. I saw Rocketman with my girlfriend, and, and we came out, and she loved it. And I, and I was lukewarm on it. And I was like, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody is better. And she hadn't seen that yet. And she was like, really? And then uh, on the plane last week, she watched Bohemian Rhapsody. At the end of the movie, she was sobbing. Mm, yeah. And I was like, that is why Bohemian Rhapsody is it's better, better than Rocketman. Because Rocketman doesn't really push you over the edge like Bohemian does. Okay, let's talk about a film. That, Perry, I think you liked more than I did. I know where you're going with this one. Let's talk about us. Here's yet another one that I saw in the theater uh, three, times. three times. I know. This one got a mixed reaction, too. And you know what? The the thing that sparked the mixed reaction, I think, is why I fell in love with the movie so much, is that even after seeing it three times, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have all the answers, but I'm okay with that because the conversation that it sparked and I keep continuing to have is so rich and exciting to me that mm-hmm. that's, that's what I want want to walk away like I love having you know a good thrill and then walking away feeling like oh wrapped up that story now I'm thrilled and satisfied but when you can't stop talking about a movie like I can't stop talking about us that's the kind of movie that sticks with me for the rest of my life and Lupita (laughs) Nyong'o's performance in that is is on another level and I think at the end of the year we might be having this specific conversation about her which we have had with other people last season and it's that she is going to have so many great movies in the year 2019 where all of these standouts could basically push her into one of the categories for for one or the other, and I have a feeling the most likely would be her performance in Us. Where do you stand on Us, Jeff? I don't see it. I don't see Jordan Peele repeating the trick that was Get Out. Uh, It may be unfair to compare the two, but it's inevitable. I just thought the end of this movie went off the rails. I agree. and as good as Lupita was, like, you know, I thought Octavia Spencer was really good in Ma. Like, I don't know what makes Lupita, like, so much better uh, than some of the other performances that I've seen. Um, 
Actually, I, I got to say, I thought yeah. that Lupita was terrific in the film. She, she is. She's very good. But, like, did, is she that much better than Octavia and Ma or some other performances but that we've once, seen? Once the dust settled on us, and I, I saw it in theaters three times, mm-hmm. too, because I, I, when I saw it for the first time, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And I said so in my review. I said I need to see it a few more times. But uh, ha- having seen it a couple more times... It doesn't hold up under scrutiny. The ending really didn't do it for me. I get why it did it for you. And a lot of people loved it just like you did. Uh, I feel like it's a little divisive because of the way it ended. Um, Having said that, I feel like like, I agree with you, Jeff. It's not going to do the kind of uh, awards season uh, business that Get Out did. But I think that Lupita Nyong'o was the best shot for a nomination. What about the score? Score, the score was really good. The, oh, score the score was is great. so good. Yeah. It's on my marathon running playlist right now. And sometimes I'll just, you know, play that in the car and I'll have someone in the car with me. And it's all this like popular music. And then all of a sudden, like a piece of the score of us will start booming in. And and it was very effective. Whoever I'm with will think I'm crazy. <laughs> okay. Now the next film, I know we, we hope we already did a whole show on this next hmm. movie, but we got to talk about it because it is definitely one of the year's very, very best films, Avengers Endgame. So, so for everyone, you know, if you, if you have been watching Collider, you know that we did a whole separate show on Avengers Endgame and on the six nominations for, for the Oscars that we really think it has a very good chance in getting. So we're not going to list those movies here or those nominations here. So make sure you go back and look for our standalone show on Avengers Endgame so you can take a look at all the nominations, we really think it has a good chance to get by the end of uh, 2019. But let's talk about some of the other films, you know, just blow from kind of quickly, that, that for one reason or another, you think it deserves a nomination in one of the categories, Jeff. And, and these are, are these festival films, though, that haven't come out necessarily? Uh, not, not yet. We'll get oh, to that in a okay. second. Huh. Uh, uh, I mean, okay, then, then I'll, let me just throw out um, Mads Mikkelsen in Arctic, I think, is one of the, the best performances I've seen in film and television all year. Uh, just a great survival movie, and he really gives it his all. How about you, Perry? I'm like looking up release dates now and spitzing a little bit. I'm just going to say um, then. Can uh, I say, can, has the farewell come out? No, no, no. Not no, by the time this July, is running. July. July what? <laughs> July, I think, 18th or something okay. like that. Yeah. So I can't include the farewell yet. I guess Gloria Bell is probably the most yeah, obvious answer then. Just because, I mean, Gloria Bell comes out and it feels like, again, it's one of those things where not everybody is talking about the movie itself. It's more so a conversation about Julianne Moore's performance. I watched it. Can't really say the movie was in line with my personal taste, but I thought she was phenomenal in yeah, it, like agreed. she is in most movies I've seen her in. So it's a, it's a possibility. Same thing about Still Alice, for which she won yeah. her Oscar. The movie was okay, but she was great in it. Okay, now, Jeff, mm-hmm. we can get to the movies that haven't come out yet, oh, okay. but that you might have seen at film festivals or just, you know, on screeners sure, well, or whatever. Well, I think Perry's going to bring up The Farewell, so I'll, I'll let her get into no, that one. No, you can go for it, because I have more in that oh, category okay. Listen, that I was sure were the, coming the, out the later Farewell this year. Farewell was my second favorite movie this year, <laughs> I thought Lulu Wang did an incredible job. It's such a universal story about family. Um, I recognize a lot of my own family in it. Aquafina has to be considered to be in the mix, as uh, yeah, as is the actress great. who plays her grandmother. I, I'm blanking on the name right now, but I think she could be in, in real contention. She could just be like the, the person who the, the media rallies around because she's so kind of like adorable. Um, uh, I also really like The Nightingale uh, and Essling mm-hmm. uh, Franciosi's work in that movie. Jennifer Kent, it's beautifully directed. And then the 
this film, Blinded by the Light, uh, coming out in August about the uh, Pakistani teen in London who sings Bruce Springsteen songs. That also warmed my heart. Okay, Perry. I will second what Jeff said about The Farewell. That is, you know, it's one of those, uh, the more independent movies that is going to need a pretty significant push behind it in order for everybody actually to go out and see it. But I think there is so much work that's exceptional in that that is deserving of nominations. And then I was also going to point out The Nightingale, which that movie that movie is a lot. Nobody's going to walk away yeah. saying, like, <laughs> say, like, I really enjoyed that movie. It is a dark, depressing movie. But if you isolate that into all the different departments, that is truly exceptional work. Like that. I, I really wish that Jen- more were talking about Jennifer Kent for the risk she took after making, I guess, in a sense, what is a crowd pleaser in The Babadook. way better than The Babadook. But what she does with this, telling an important story that's daring and not necessarily for wide viewers, good on her for doing it. But the other one I want to pinpoint right now is the movie uh, Loose, which is hitting theaters and... Uh, and uh, on demand or streaming services, August second, I believe it's with um, Octavia Spencer and Kelvin Harrison Jr. I think both of them deserve accolades for their work in it, and it's just it is a fascinating film that we were talking about earlier. I can't wait to see that a second time because when you see how everything plays out, you're gonna want to go back and re-experience it and just watch all the little nuances in their performances because the two of them. We're, we're phenomenal pairing okay, together. Just to, just to, before we wrap things up, I just want to throw in, you want to talk about dark and depressing and disturbing. Uh, it, it just opened on July 2nd, and that would be Midsummer, uh, the oh, follow-up <laughs> feature written and directed by Ari Aster. Uh, it is seriously the most disturbing movie I've ever seen, and I am not exaggerating, but it is very, very well made. It is very effective. It's, uh, it's like an instant terror I don't want to say horror, but it's an instant, it's a terrifying instant classic that in a lot of ways I think does top hereditary with the, how effective it is. Um, but it's not a movie I want to go back and experience again because it really messed me <laughs> up and I could not sleep it the night after I saw Florence it. Florence Pugh in that. Yeah. So uh, good. Phenomenal. So good. So, so good. The other film that I really loved, and I know you did too because it inspired you, is Britney Runs a Marathon. And while mm. I don't think it's going to get like an Oscar push, I think it does have a push for, well, Spirit Awards, but also for Golden Globes because Jillian Bell is a revelation in this film. Yes, it is such a feel-good crowd, please. Guess who came in for an episode of Collider Ladies Night that we're going to run when that movie comes out? Jillian Bell? It blew oh my, my mind. God, that's so blew awesome. my mind. Oh, that's so great. All right, so that's it for the first half of 2019. So now, ladies and gentlemen, so make sure, and I really mean this, make sure you share Collider FYC with everyone because, again, no one else is doing what we're doing and no one else is doing it the way we do it, which is fun and informative and inspires you to go out and see movies and will hopefully inspire you to like and share this video or this podcast version of Collider FYC. Now, coming this fall in September, Collider FYC is going to be back for season two. And it's going to be even bigger and better than the first season. It is going to be like the Godfather 2 of Collider FYC. So make sure <laughs> you come back and, and watch us in September. And for right now, on behalf of the amazing Perry Nemiroff, on behalf of the mighty Jeff Snyder, FY, see you later. Napa know how.
This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 